Welcome to the Rich Feet Podcast with Dr. Tanisha Richmond. This podcast is sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic, where they specialize in happy feet. Each episode highlights the best of Dr. Richmond's radio show, providing bite-sized clips of advice. Let's jump right into the show. It is, of course, our very own local podiatrist and foot specialist, Dr. Tanisha Richmond. Good afternoon, Dr. Richmond. Good afternoon. I hear you are Facebook Live. Oh, yes. I'm always live. <laughs> How I'm, are you? I am blessed and highly favored. That is awesome. That is awesome. And uh, you always bring a wealth of information and share some, just some tidbits and tips on things dealing with the foot and beyond. And so yes. We are excited to have you back today. And you've got a couple of things you're going to start out with. I know you're going to be talking about diabetes of Dayton, the awareness and the support and the education. So lots of wonderful things happening in our, our city. And you are very connected in the community. I know you sit on the board for diabetes of Dayton. And let's just Let's talk about that. Tell us what exactly is Diabetes of Dayton. So Diabetes of Dayton is an organization that is in Kettering. Let me get my information here. It's in Kettering, 2555 South Dixie Drive. Phone number is 937-220-6611. Website is diabetesdayton.org. So recently I was asked to become a board member to Diabetes Dayton. And basically I reached out to Diabetes Dayton because there no longer is a diabetes education program at the Charles Drew Health Center. And Diabetes Dayton does have one. So Diabetes Dayton offers a lot of different things. They have an emergency supply pantry. So if you're running low on your insulin, out of insulin, your supplies, you can contact them. They have a low-cost meter, test strips. They have a lot of educational literature. They have a type 1 diabetes camp. They just had it maybe a month or two ago. They do have scholarships for that as well. We have a diabetes expo. It's coming up, I think, in November. We're also going to have an expo and a 5K circle run. Looking sponsors for that. I will have a team. I think I'm going to call it Rich Feet. <laughs> so I will be at the expo. I'll have a booth at the expo. We probably will be doing on-site ABI screenings. Plus, it will be all kinds of other screenings as well that day at the expo. You also can come in and get low-cost A1C testing, which is your blood sugar testing. That's $20. And then they also have a $10 glucose meter. And you can get 50 glucose strips for $10. So it's a lot of different things going on. Oh, and they also have diabetes uh, education. They actually have a full service kitchen on site with a dietitian. So you can contact them to see if you can do some of the cooking classes and learn how to eat healthily as a diabetic as well. So they have a lot going on at Diabetes Dayton. And of course, Diabetes Dayton is a 5013C. So they're always looking for donations. And if you would like to donate in my name, please mention my name so I get credit because I have to help <laughs> being a board member. So, so it's a good organization. And we're trying to make it even better. Well, that is awesome. And once again, for those that want to contribute in honor. The phone number is 937-220-6611. Website is diabetesdayton.org. 
And the address is 2555 South Dixie Drive, Unit 112. They're on the same street that runs right past the Walmart on uh, in Kettering. Okay, and let's talk about that for just a moment, Dr. Richmond. What exactly is diabetes? That's a loaded question. We're going to give you a heavy one this Saturday. So what is diabetes? Diabetes. just need clarification. So diabetes is a problem with your pancreas. So basically your pancreas makes a enzyme called insulin. And insulin is the gatekeeper to all the cells. So all cells run off of sugar. So insulin opens up the gate to let the, the sugar from your blood into your cells. So in a diabetic, we don't have enough insulin. So the little sugar is knocking on the door of the cell and there's no one there to open it. So the sugar floats around in your bloodstream and it does damage. So it goes and attacks your eyes, causing blindness. It can go attack your kidneys. It can go and attack the walls of your blood vessels causing you to have blood clots, poor blood flow, strokes, heart attacks, and then it can attack your nerves. So that excess sugar damages the nerves, and that's how you get neuropathy, the numbness, the tingling, the burning, the funny sensations, the things that are in your shoes that may not be in your shoes. So that's what diabetes is. So type 2 diabetics generally are older. Generally, we are overweight, and now we're starting to see type 2 diabetics in children because children are becoming more overweight. So a type 1 diabetic, generally they're diagnosed very young. They can be diagnosed as a baby, but type 1 diabetics make no insulin whatsoever. So they're very brittle. Most type 1s are very thin. Sometimes they have a lot of complications younger in life because they've been dealing with diabetes. Most type 1s probably are wearing an insulin pump, and their blood sugars are either well-controlled or very poorly controlled. So type twos, we make some insulin, we just don't make enough. So that's why we take, we'll take pills, we take insulin, we take injections, so we can help increase our insulin levels. So all those little doors of the cells can be opened and let the sugars in. And what is it that diabetics should mostly stay away from and how can they remain? And I know you have shared with us many times that you are a diabetic and what are some of the things that you do that you would like to share with our listening audience that has helped you through this journey? Basically, you kind of just need to get go on a keto keto diet, which is a low-carb diet. Basically, the all roots of evil of a diabetic is carbohydrates, too many carbs, because our bodies can't break it down and absorb it quick enough so it just hangs around our bloodstream. We can have it. So I always tell diabetics to cut out everything white from your diet and turn it brown or turn it to a different color. So you want to go to whole wheat pasta, brown rice, stay away from a lot of pastas, stay away from a lot of potatoes, anything white in your diet. You want to go to a whole wheat version and then you want to eat more protein, more vegetables in your diet. I always tell people like at the Halloween, I mean, not Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can sit and eat meat all day. It's not going to raise your sugars, but you can't go crazy on that sweet potato pie, that pecan pie. <laughs> that, 
you know, all the different things. Or you can substitute and you can use Splenda to cook with. I have a lovely cookbook in my office, but you can actually go online and Google, you know, diet fret. I have a, actually have a diabetic cookbook for desserts. And they just basically converted everything from regular sugar to unsweetened sugar. So it's a way, but it's a lifestyle. And you have to make that decision. You have to drink diet drinks, no sugar drinks, or water or flavored water. You cannot drink regular pop all the time. I mean, I had a patient who was also a worker, was very hard-headed. He ate, drank, did everything he wanted to do, and now he's missing a leg. And I used to fuss at him like I fuss at my kids, you know. Keep on. Just keep on. <laughs> They're going to cut your leg off. And they did. And it was it was crazy. And me, I've been a diabetic now 21 years. I was diagnosed in medical school. So fortunately, I know exactly what's going to happen. I can see the future by just watching you because all of this is cumulative damage. And so many people just want to be in denial. They don't want to claim it. They want to, you know, pray it away, put some ointment on it. <laughs> but <laughs> realistically, the only cure for diabetes is losing weight. And usually it's a lot of weight you have to use lose. Most of the people who get like the gastric bypass surgeries, they're no longer diabetics. But however, they still have complications. The complications don't reverse, but the diabetes does. And so the best way is just to understand in terms of your experience with it, your journey with it, and your knowledge as a doctor, knowing and understanding diabetes, is just to understand it's a, it's a lifestyle change. Yes, it's not a diet. It's not a diet. It's not something you fix for a couple months. Nope. It's the rest of your life. I mean, it's 365, 24-7, literally, you know. And if you're on insulin, it's even more intense. I now take insulin. So you have to make a conscious decision. Like I have insulin with me at work. There's some in my car. There's some in my purse. <laughs> so when I eat, my insulin is there. And I carry my short and my long acting with me. But being a diabetic and being able to control my diabetes, you have to be like that. Because you can't be like, oh, I forgot it. And then you forget to take it. Then you get a headache and, you know, but you have to change your lifestyle. Just like with anything else you do, you know, you have to change your lifestyle. And you can still enjoy life, though. You yeah. can still enjoy life and still eat good things. It's just the way you prepare them. Is well, it's your combinations. It's not necessarily how you can prepare them. It's what you, how you eat. Like, I always tell my diabetics, you know, the uncontrolled to tell me what they ate. And they'll say, well, I went to, to a, a, a restaurant and I had a biscuit. Then I had some orange juice. Then I had a hash brown. And then I put some regular jelly on that biscuit. I'm like, you just overloaded on carbs. Realistically, you should have had that biscuit with some sugar-free jelly and a cup of coffee that was sugar-free. You couldn't have had that juice so or that hash brown. That's just too much sugar. You're, we can't handle that much sugar. So it's all about combinations of things. Is how you combine your different food groups. You can't overload on your carbs. And that's what I like. I was talking like the holiday season. You can sit there and just eat turkey and vegetables and have you a little piece of pie or a little piece of dessert. But you can't have turkey dressing, potatoes, gravy, sweet potato pie, pecan pie, 
and some Kool-Aid. Oh, you went all the way back. You went back to, to back in the day. Yeah, so Kool-Aid. some Kool-Aid or some lemonade or that good sugar tea we drink in the South. Make yeah. your teeth hurt. <laughs> it's so sweet. You, you have to look at what you're going to eat. And it's not hard, but you just have to make a conscious decision on what you're going to eat and how much you're going to eat of this and that. And then you can always counteract what you eat with activity. Like on Thanksgiving, instead of you going to take that nap, maybe you should go on a walk. Take your dog for a walk. Take your family. Or you go for a walk to help burn those calories and help lower your blood sugar. So, Dr. Richmond, your show is entitled Footsteps for Life, and you always talk about things relative to the foot and beyond. Let's talk about the foot for a moment. In your practice, are there some trends that you're starting to see? It's summer, uh, people are traveling, their feet are more exposed. Are there injuries or certain ailments you're starting to recognize during the season in your practice or things pretty much consistent year-round? Well, the fact that we live in a manufacturing town, we have so many factories and factory workers, I see a lot of Venus problems, veins, a lot of swelling, a lot of people who are high risk for like venous ulcerations. And so, you know, if you work in a factory setting, you're starting to get chronic swelling, you're starting to get really bad varicose veins, or if you're starting to change colors around your ankles. So if you're Caucasian, you're going from white to brown. If you're African-American, you're going from brown to black, especially around the inside of your medial ankles. And the skin may also be changing in texture. Like it, I call it sometimes looks like elephant skin. It's crusty, it's dry. You're starting to get things called venous stasis and venous stasis dermatitis. So the veins in that part of the ankle sometimes become so weak that they ulcerate. And vein, venous stasis ulcers are very hard to heal. And especially if you are still working and you're not addressing it. So if you're starting to see those kind of changes, that is something that you need to see someone like me, your primary care doctor, a vascular doctor, to examine you, to test your veins, to see the how well they're working or not working, and then get you in things like compression stockings. It's something called a lymphedema pump, which are like sleeves you wear, and they pump the fluid out of your legs. So things like that that prevent you from getting to the point where you start getting ulcers. Because I see that a lot, especially for my people who work in these factories that work them like seven days, seven days straight. They're coming in with a lot of chronic ulcers and a lot of problems with varicose veins and stuff like that. It's swelling. Lots of swelling. So uh, you talked before about, and you, you mentioned it briefly just a few moments ago, about the lifestyle changes. Did you also talk about the water? Water. Well, water is good. <laughs> We're primarily made of water. If you don't get water, you will die. And everything in our body needs water and fluids and moisture. Because I remember I had a patient, that was maybe a year ago. She was in the hospital for dehydration. I said, why? I don't like water. So I said, oh, that's interesting. So I gave her some of my flavored water and she drank that. She's like, okay, I can drink this. I said, well, that's good. Let's drink that. <laughs> but yeah, you have to have water 
And then now if you're drinking water and your skin still isn't improving or the texture of your skin is not improving, then that could be another problem. That could be a blood flow issue because the body also has not only bring in moisture, but it has to bring in oil to the skin. So if the little cells that make natural oil aren't getting enough blood, your skin will stay chronically dry. So, but like when we talk about different I think like simple issues, if you can't fix it, then generally it's something more major that you need to see a doctor for or a nurse practitioner to examine you and say, okay, it's based on this. Mm-hmm. And when you say if you can't fix it, what are you referring to in terms of what? Dr. Google. Helping out yourself in your own little way. Your cousin, baby in them. <laughs> The guy that walked by, you know, you met him at the grocery store. You taking medical advice in the line, you know, how we do. (laughs) Yeah, after you tried all your home remedies and called your great, great aunt and put some salve together and it still doesn't work, you know, it's time to come see us. And once again, let's share all of your information, your phone number, your website, your email address. So my phone number is 937-228-3668. Website is richfeet.org. Email address is richfeet1 at gmail. And then I'm on all the platforms. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook. I just went back to Black Planet. They're back. (laughs) So if you search my name, I'm also on YouTube as well under Richmond Foot and Ankle and Tanisha Richmond, where I have previous taped shows on there and other speeches I've done in the past. So if you Google me, actually, you'll find all kinds of things I've done in the past. I've been talking about different issues that's been happening over the last few years. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you have available to patients or even just someone that just to walk wants to walk into your practice off the street and you have lots of things that they can purchase. Can you talk about the things that you have there? Well, we just added last year diabetic shoes that we dispense out of the office. Diabetic shoes are generally covered by every diabetic patient annually. Let me say that one more again. You have to be diabetic to get diabetic shoes. You have to have the diagnosis of diabetes from your primary care physician. Most of the time, the shoes are 100% covered. However, if you only carry Medicare or only a Medicare plan and maybe not a sub-secondary like Medicaid, you may have to pay 20% out of pocket, which usually comes to about $80. We have a diabetic-friendly foot spa. But you don't have to be diabetic, but it's diabetic friendly. It's in a private room with music, massage chair, lights. It's done by the medical assistants. And then you get scrubs, soap, massage. That's $25. A lot of patients will do that before they are seen by one of the doctors, me or Dr. Ruffin. And we will do your nails and calluses for you. We have x-ray on-site. It's digital, so it goes up within minutes of being x-rayed. Of you being x-rayed, we have night splints, walking boots, orthotics, ankle braces on-site if you have any kind of issues. We have a treatment for neuropathy or any kind of chronic pain called ARP, neurotherapy. It's a non-invasive way to treat chronic pain and neuropathy. And then we have 
ABIs on site, which is the blood flow test, which it is a blood pressure cuff you put on your arms and legs. And pretty much every diabetic should get one every year, every smoker, every dialysis patient, and anyone over 70 should be screened annually for vascular disease as well. Oh, and we also sell socks, diabetic socks, polish that treats fungus and all kind of corns and hematopads. pads. Let's talk a little bit about some of the, the, the hematopads. pads. So exactly why would a person need hematopads? pads? They don't want hematose surgery. So <laughs> they wear a pad. And that, explain exactly what's a hematope. So a hematope is the cricket toes, boomerang feet. They're crooked. And generally, they can happen from just like childhood. You wore shoes that were too small. Or you're a female that thinks you are a 70 and you a 7 triple E. And so your feet kind of squish over time. And you start to, your your feet will actually mold to the shoes. So it'll squish it. If you keep squishing in there, the bones of your feet will change. And then sometimes people develop bunions. And then that's the like, bump on the side of the foot. And when that happens, it shifts all the other toes on the rest of the foot, which can cause hammer toes as well. And then sometimes it's just genetic. Like I'll tell people, what does your parents' feet look like? Because that's your future. So <laughs> if your mama got horrific bunions, you probably going to get them too. Because that's genetics. You can't fight, fight genetics. So if, if your parents typically have a nice feet. You should have nice feet. You should but in a genetic aspect. But if they have bad feet, you will get their feet. <laughs> you can't fight your genes. So let's talk a little bit about things that we should do during this season. You know, a lot of people like to have their sandals on and maybe even flip-flops, but just their feet exposed for air. And some have complained of having just the dryness, the brittleness. What should we be using to help moisturize our feet? Well, like I talked about a few minutes ago, if you have tried all your home remedies and your feet are still crusty, you may not just have plain dry skin. You could have eczema, you could have psoriasis, you could have athlete's foot, you could have dermatitis. So it could be different issues. It's just not as simple as just dry, dry skin. And then if you have discolored nails, crumbly nails, ugly nails, smelly nails, that could be toenail fungus or it could be dermatitis or eczema as well. So if you've tried over-the-counter things and your nails are not changing, then it's time to come and see me where, you know, I could do a culture. You know, I could give you a good, honest opinion on the status of your nails, give you treatment options and things like that. So it's just, you know, once you've tried everything you can try, then it's time to call me and I can help. <laughs> I see. And so when you have a new patient, Dr. Richmond, and you're trying to determine what the issue is that they're, you know, dealing with in terms of their foot or ankle, tell me a little bit about what your process is like to better understand the nature of their foot or ankle or any, even any lower leg problem. What's that experience like for someone that's coming to see you? Well, it depends on what they're coming in for. So if you're coming in for athlete's foot only, your visit may be 30 minutes. But if you're coming in and you're a brand new diabetic with some swelling, discoloration in your feet, you're complaining of numbness, tingling and burning, that visit might be two hours because we may have to, we may go on ahead and do an ABI on you where we check your blood flow. 
So that's a 20 minute test. Then we, you know, we have to talk to you about your diabetes. Then we may measure you for diabetic shoes. So it depends on what you're coming in for. And I, I always say plan for two hours. Give yourself a two hour block, especially if you're coming by transportation. Do not schedule me and then schedule another appointment 30 minutes later. You're not going to make it <laughs> because, I mean, it takes time to be seen. This is not Burger King, you know, but if you want Burger King, you can go there. But at my rest at my office, you're getting a full, thorough workup. So it's not going to be in and out. So I would say to uh, give yourself at least a two hour window. At least a two hour window. Okay. So if that individual is coming to see you and they are struggling with even wanting to know, and do you find that a lot that some people just don't want to know what the diagnosis is? They know it's not something quite right, but they don't really want to know. So, oh, well, I see that all the time. So how do you help them with that process? I tell them the truth bluntly. <laughs> no, because I have patients that have showed up with gangrene. And I'm just like, which hospital do you want to go to? Because I'm going to call them and tell them you're coming. Now, if you want to go home and pack, you won't be there at least a week or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing else for me to do or say. You have a condition that has to be addressed. If you do not address this gangrene, it could kill you. It could go. So there's a difference between dry and wet gangrene. Dry gangrene looks like mummies, like mummification. That's dry. That's somewhat stable. Wet gangrene, it's black, but it's you can smell it and it's moist. So that means the tissue can still hit your bloodstream. You can go septic and you could die. So in that case, either case, I'm going to tell you, you need to head on to the ER. Because at this point, you need to see vascular. You need to see a blood flow specialist to determine if they can fix your blood flow. So sometimes they can save your foot but as if they can get in there and bring the blood back down to your foot. In some cases, they can't, but they can determine all of that. And you need to be watched because if you go septic, then you're going to need IV antibiotics and different things that keep you alive. So it, it just depends on what the person's coming in for. Like if I have a 300-pound patient with heel pain complaining she can't wear her high heels, we're going to have a, a talk about her weight. You can't wear them no more. You can't do it. I haven't had to tell a couple ladies, you need to go ahead and donate them because you can't wear them anymore. You have to find you a lower heel, a kitten heel or a wider heel to support your body weight. And then I always tell them, in the beginning, we were barefoot running in the jungle. We were not wearing high heels. We were not designed for high heels. This is something man-made, you know, so... Of course, it's going to cause you pain because you're not supposed to walk like that. So, Dr. Richmond, you are a medical professional as a podiatrist that treats conditions of the foot, the ankle, and the lower leg. And I know before people have wanted to know more information about some of the signs of foot infection. And you mentioned about gangrene earlier today. So what are some of those signs of foot infection? Well, what I always tell my new diabetics is if you wake up and your feet don't match, like they say on Sesame Street, which one of these is not like the other? One leg's swollen, one leg's not. One leg's black, one leg's brown, one leg's white, one leg's hot pink. You have odor, and it's new odor. You have something open that's draining, and you feel sick, nausea, vomiting, fever, diarrhea, or chills. 
all signs of infection. But the biggest one is you wake up and something's different and they're not identical. And that's what I always tell my diabetics. As long as everything is staying consistently the same color, size, shape, and smell. Smell is important. There's a reason why we have noses. Because <laughs> it does detect. I mean, funk is not good. It is a sign of something being wrong. <laughs> and so what's interesting, I know we've had a couple of questions that have come in. And I know you have gone through this before. But it's really interesting when you have new listeners that are in and out. Someone wanted to know, how did you become a podiatrist. And I know you shared this story before, Dr. Richmond, it may be redundant for you, but it's nice. You have a wonderful story. You've got a beautiful story and you've shared with us before. But for those that want to know about your journey, how did you begin? In the beginning, well, for one, I've always was a nerd. So instead of dolls, I wanted chemistry sets and I wanted to blow things up. And I always wanted to be a doctor. My mother's a nurse. Uh, my father's retired Air Force and now runs funeral homes. So I always wanted to be a doctor. I didn't know what kind. And my mother suggested podiatry and I didn't know what that was either. She said a foot doctor. She's like, they're always happy. They don't look as stressed out as the other specialties. So I met two African-American podiatrists down in Louisiana, and they just told me about their lifestyles, how they were able to have families, have time, have a good quality of life. And basically, the rest is history. I applied to podiatry school, got accepted to all of them. I think it was at that time seven. And I ended up going to school in Cleveland. And I came to Dayton for my residency. My second year residency, I started looking for an African-American mentor. There were none. The last one was Dr. Fletcher, who was at the Charles Drew Health Center. And I happened to meet someone in one of the health fairs, actually at Mount Enum. Mother Love was there doing a book. She had just wrote a book. And uh, they told me <laughs> at the conference, uh, Drew told me they were still looking for a podiatrist. And they only wanted a black one, African-American. And I started that process. And now I've been in Dayton for 14 years. And now I think I'm close to 12,000 patients. That is amazing. And what a, what a journey. And I know you also mentioned that your family, your mom is a nurse, I believe, but has a medical background. And so is that what really inspired you other than just wanting to? Yeah, because at Halloween, I was always a doctor. <laughs> and then when Dr. McStuffin came out, you know, I have her whole, all her dolls, they're all over my office. And even my staff, I tell them, if you want to buy me some, I want a Dr. McStuffin doll to go with my collection. Because, you know, people don't understand, well, kids understand it, but to have a doll that looks like you and it's a doctor, because she is the only one. She's the only black female doctor doll. That exists. And I even have watched Dr. McStuffin cartoons and check her out. She she does a good work up <laughs> on her, on the toys. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, but it's, you know, it's just it, it's just my family. I have a cousin that's a physician, but I think you know, it's only two of us in the family that are doctors. That's awesome. And for those that may, who may have young people listening that are aspiring to be a doctor, or even a podiatrist, what would you share with them? You have to like to read and you have to understand what you read. Going to medical school, 
the whole journey is all about reading. It's all about understanding what you read, regurgitating what you read, analyzing what you read. And so if you want to be a physician or a nurse practitioner, nurse, go into any of the healthcare fields, you have to know how to read and you have to enjoy reading. Lots of times when I talk to kids, when they tell me what they want to be, I always ask them, do you like math? Do you like science? Do you like to read? And I was telling them, you have to build up your vocabulary. You need to be reading like the Wall Street Journal. You need to be reading the local newspaper, Time. You need to be doing some heavy reading. Even if you read for pleasure, you like you need to be doing some major reading. Because when you go to medical school, you jump from maybe, I don't know, 12 credit hours to 20 to 30 credit hours, which you jump from taking three to four classes to six to 10. And then you're giving so much information that you have to read, understand, assimilate, and then regurgitate it back and do it well and do it fast. And a lot of kids don't make it because they can't, they never function that high of intensity of and it's not that they're dumb or anything it's just that you mentally have it's like going from being a donkey to a stallion <laughs> and you're doing it just you got to go from just waddling along to going to the race and but it, it, it's a lifestyle change and it's something that starts as small as in kindergarten you know, if your child loves science, take them to the museums. My family used to take me to the museums. And if they don't want a Barbie doll, buy them that microscope or buy them that, take them to look at rocks and look at bugs. Or, so it's okay to be a nerd. Well, I always tell people who's the top 10, who's the richest man in the world? Nerd number two, nerd number three, nerd. <laughs> Elon Musk, nerd. <laughs> Who's Bill Gates? He's so rich, he quit working to give his money away. Nerd. So, yes, education is power. And now, Elon, I think he's working with the government to help put out more satellites to increase Wi-Fi. So, you know, but, yes, it's nothing wrong with being a nerd. Nerds rule the world. All right. That is awesome. Thank you, <laughs> Dr. Richmond, for sharing that story. And, you know, it's important. For people to understand, we need all types of people. We do. And I, and, and people, you know, we, at the hospital, you just don't need doctors. You need, you need the housekeepers. You need the blood tech. You need the x-ray tech. You need the ultrasound tech. You need the phlebotomist. You know, you need the person checking them in. You need the person that keeps the computers working. It's so many different facets on, you know, in any facility. You know, that it takes, it's like a, a machine. It takes all these different parts. And if one part doesn't work, it doesn't work. So, yes, it's, you know, it's, it takes a village. That is awesome. And thanks again, Dr. Richmond, for sharing that with us. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll get an update from you on some things that you've done the past 30 days with in reference to your practice and some things that are coming up here in the future that we can look forward to. Okay. We'll be back in just a moment. We hope you enjoyed today's show with Dr. Richmond, sponsored by the Richmond Foot and Ankle Clinic. The clinic is located at 1323 West 3rd Street in Dayton, Ohio, zip code 45402. To book an appointment, call 937-228-3668, or you can learn more at richfeet.org.